called this series. We're still in our re-up series. We're talking about restoring, restoring. Part number eight today. Open my eyes. I want you to go real quickly to the book of John, chapter number nine. Our theme scripture for this series, this entire series of re-up is Matthew 9, 36 and 37. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Father, we thank you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thine sight, O Lord. It is my strength and my redeemer. Somebody say, open my eyes. Come on, say it again. Say, open my eyes. Say it again. Say, open my eyes that I may see clearly. Open my eyes. Blindness is the functionality of dependence that leads and guides us through the dark corridors of life. I want to say that again. Blindness is the functionality of dependence that leads and guides us through the dark corridors of life. Blindness is the functionality of dependence. Your sermon notes are available. Scroll down to August. you find them there. It's the functionality of dependence that leads and guides us through the dark corridors of life. It's a quote Lord put in my spirit as I begin to put this together. Why would, why would I say that blindness is the functionality of dependence? It would have been easy to say the dysfunction of, the, of dependence. But when I think about people who are blind, who are, who are naturally blind, they're blind, but they're, but they're functional. They have all of their senses. They function off of their senses. Smell, touch, hear. Only thing that they can't do is see. They learn how to function through the dependence of walking through life in a dark corridor. Because if you were to close your eyes, close your eyes and see yourself walking, close your eyes and see yourself walking, even though the lights are on, with your eyes closed, you can only see darkness. You can sense the light, but you can only see darkness. Think about it. How many of us are walking and functioning in darkness? We love God, but we're functioning in a relationship that is dark. I worship you, but my worship is coming from a dark place. Ah, my faith is coming. Keep your eyes closed. I lift my hands from a dark place. I I sow my tithe and, and, and I do things for you out of a dark place. I'm dependent on darkness. I'm dependent on the functionality of darkness. Because the only thing that I can see is darkness. So I have to trust who's leading me. I have to trust who's guiding me. My dependence is in the functionality of the one that is leading me and guiding me. I, I've got to be able to learn how to operate 
in moments in my life where it seems to be dark. Open your eyes. It doesn't feel good to live in a dark place. When we think about this scripture here, when we think about blindness, when we look at that word blindness, blindness, it's being unable to see. Functional without having less than one-tenth of normal vision in one or more than one eye. Unable or unwilling to discern or judge. There is what we call natural blindness, natural blindness where you cannot see naturally. And then there's what we call spiritual blindness where you're unable to see the things of God, where you're unable to see vision, where you're unable to discern correctly, where you're unable to judge correctly. When we look at this text here over in John chapter number 9, John chapter number 9, Jesus restores the man's sight. Really quickly here, I, I, wanna, I really want to point this out to you. It says, Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Let's look at that because that's kind of unfair when you look at the text because at the beginning of the text it says that Jesus passes by a man who was born blind. Immediately the disciples say to Jesus, well did he sin or did his parents sin that he was born blind? Jesus replies immediately and says neither his parents nor he sinned it was done purposely so that my works would be displayed in him. Let's look at the text. Let's, let's break that text down. So, so you made me blind so that I would meet Jesus. And Jesus would cause me to see again. He was born blind. Whatever the issue was, but he remained blind until Jesus met him at a moment in his life where Jesus needed to use his blindness to get the attention of other people. Mm. God is funny, right? He, he will use your handicap because he's handicapped. He, he's blind. So he's not fully functional as he would like to be, but he learns how to be dependent on what he's functional in. He's able to hear. He's able to talk. He's able to walk. He's able to move around, but he's not able to see. He can only hear. It's amazing that sometimes God will use what you've been born with, what you've been handicapped with as a tool to reach somebody else. Ah, come on now. Huh? Uh, open my eyes. Open my eyes. I, I, I'm handicapped in a situation in my life, and God uses it. He, he uses it to heal me, but then he uses it to get his message to those that need to understand who he is. He'll use you. I want to talk about these four areas today. Jesus restores his sight. What does Jesus do to, to restore sight? How does Jesus use his power and his might? Number one, Jesus repudiates the accusation of sinful behavior. 
He, he repudiates it. He, he rejects it. He throws it away. In most cases, we assume just like the disciples that people are suffering because of a sin that they've made. How many times have we judged incorrectly? Oh, yeah, they, they did something. That, 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 that's why they're going through that. Uh, it, it says right there, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents Jesus cast down he repudiates the accusation that he messed up in his life and that's the reason that he's blind how, how many times have you and I looked at a situation in our life and we immediately attached it to sin I did something wrong that's why I'm going through this that person had to do something wrong. That's why they're going through this. That, 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 that person died of cancer because they weren't eating right. That, that, that person had a heart attack. There are healthy people, fitness people. There, it, it has nothing to do with sin in this text. Now, in the biblical days, it was said in the Old Testament that if you were born with a handicap or if you became sickly with disease, that there was sin in your life. Either you sinned or it came through the, it came through the iniquity of your parents. The disciples were only speaking what they had learned. Sometimes what you learn is not always good when you go to judge other people. Because what you've learned sometimes is wrong. They looked at the man and said, he sinned. Or either his mama and daddy sinned. That's the only way that you could be born blind. Come on now. Nobody ever thought to have the conversation. Maybe his eyes just didn't form. Maybe his, his pupils never got to a point. Maybe there was just an issue in his body that his mother could not control, that the doctor could not control. Maybe he was just born this way, but he was born so that I would be able to display my works through him. You're born with an issue that God wants to allow Jesus to put you on display so that he can win other people to Christ. Imagine if you would just allow God to use that issue, to use that struggle in your life to get your family members saved. He was a blind beggar. He was walking around constantly begging. Number one, Jesus repudiates the accusation of sin, sinful behavior. Number two, Jesus renews his faith by use of physical elements. Sometimes God will use something physical to activate your faith. Not only to activate your faith, but to activate the faith of those that are watching. He turns around and he uses the clay and the spittle. When you think about it, in ancient history, the Jews believed that clay and spit had medicinal value. Come on now. So it allows you to understand that Jesus is aware of the people that he's dealing with. Huh, come on now. So he can't just walk up to the man and put his hands on his eyes. He says, no, 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 no. Let me, let me do it under the custom of what I know they believe to be true. Let me take some mud. Let me spit. Let me put it in the ground and take it and put it on his eyes. Now I got your attention because you see clay. You see the spit. And it causes you to say, oh, that's how he's going to heal him. Sometimes God will renew your faith by using physical elements. It was not the elements that healed him. 
but it was the elements that got the people's attention. It is the elements that raise your faith. Ah, come on now. When your head is hurting, what do you do? You go and you get the medicine and you take the medicine as a sign of faith that the headache is going to go away. And you begin to pray, Lord, heal my head. Lord, take this pain away from me. It's your faith, but sometimes it is the physical elements that cause your faith to be strong. He uses the clay as a symbol of faith. He uses the clay as an instrument of healing, an instrument, an, an instrument, say an instrument. As an instrument, there are things in your life that God wants to use that you use every day to heal your life. The things in your life that you use every day that God wants to use as a symbol of your faith. The things that you depend on every day that God wants to use to heal you and to open the blind areas of your life. He repudiates the accusation of sinful behavior. He renews his faith. He renews his faith by the use of physical elements. There are times in our lives where God will use or allow physical symbols to activate our faith in times of healing. John 9 and 6 says, After saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Parenthetically, let's stop there. Who wants me to spit on the ground today, make some mud and put it in your eyes. And Lisa be like, Reverend, now you go ahead and go home now because you ain't doing that to me. The devil is a lie. You little earth creature. You're going to spit on the ground. Spit on the ground. It didn't say he went and got some water. It said he spit on the ground. Jesus was a human then. That means he spit. His own spit came out of his mouth. He spit on the ground, took his hand, didn't take no spoon, took his hand and stirred his hand and made out of the spit some mud. And I'm going to put it on your eyes. Come on now, think, think about it. Think, think, think about it. Look at the story. Look at the psychological issues. But guess what? The man didn't know what he was doing anyway because he was blind. He couldn't see that he spit on the ground. He couldn't see that he used his only saliva, that he used his saliva. The only thing that he knows is that he felt something being put on his eyes. Sometimes when you're blinded, you have to allow what is being what is happening in your life to happen. But guess why he did it? He did it so that they could see. Ah, you can't see. Ah. But he wants to do it because they need to see. Ah, come on now. Sometimes God will do the craziest things in the blinded areas of your life while he's healing you, but he wants them to see it. He took some spit and some clay and put it on the man's eyes. He not only repudiates, he not only renews, but then Jesus requests his obedience. True healing occurs when you obey. <laughs> he, he tells the man, the, the healing, his healing took place when he chose to obey Jesus' command. 
His healing took place because he decided to trust the voice of Jesus without question. How many times have we questioned the method or process that God is using to heal a matter in our life rather than just choosing to obey and trust the process? John 9 and 7, he says, God, he said, go. He told him, wash in the pool of Salaam. That word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. That's Fred, you're telling me to go wash in a dirty river. You're telling me to go wash in the sewer. You telling me to go dip my face in the sewer. He couldn't see anyway. So he don't know how dirty the water was. He just probably heard about it. See, sometimes you hear about things that you've not even seen before. You hear about it before you see it. And because you've heard about it, when it's time for you to respond in obedience, you don't do it because you heard what somebody else said. You heard that the church is going to hurt your feelings. You heard that the preacher is stealing all of the money. You heard that the preacher is cheating on his wife. You heard, you heard, you heard. What have you seen? Because you're blind. You're not even saved. So your eyes haven't been even enlightened to what spiritual matters happen in church. You just heard that they don't like you. You heard that it ain't going to come out, that it ain't going to turn out the way that you want to. You heard, you heard, you heard. How many times have you heard and did not obey? When you never had a chance to see because you're blind. So why not take the chance? The man goes and he washes his face in the pool of Salaam and he goes home seeing not blinking seeing seeing he restores sight because he, he rolls away the reproach of the accusation off of your name that you didn't sin to make this happen in your life and then he uses physical elements to renew your faith and then he does what? He requests you to be obedient. To be obedient. He told him to go. And then number four, here it is. Jesus reveals that he is the light of the world. He heals the man. But he's trying to get this community of believers and his disciples. Ain't nothing worse than having people following you and they can't see like you see. Whew. Ain't nothing worse than having 12 disciples that can't see. None of them can't see. At least one of them should have found out. But can't none of them see because they're blinded to ritualistic thinking. They're blinded to what they've learned. They're blinded to what they've heard and what they've been taught. You've been taught some good stuff, but, but if you're hanging around Jesus, you've got to be able to be spiritual at all times. Even in the realities of life, there is a spiritual manner that is working. Can I give it to you? When my wife was going through in cancer, I didn't understand because she began to ask God, what did I do in my life? He repudiates. There is no sin. 
He begins to do what? He begins to do what? Activate her faith by using her faith. She would use, she would get up every morning and pray to Creflo Dollar. He gives her cancer and then turns around and say, now go back to doing what you used to do. Pray. When I was praying, nothing went wrong. But now he's going to use the tool of prayer to activate your faith to heal this cancer in your body that you think that you've done something wrong to cause it. People were telling her, how can a good person like you handle cancer? I mean, you're so good and you're so perfect. I just don't know. There are horrible people in the earth. Why could it happen to them? Do you see what people do? They immediately attach sin to an issue that God is trying to bring light to so that other people can be drawn in. Ah, ah, come on now. And then she gets there, and every time she goes to the hospital, she said, well, when I get here, they're going to say it's gone. It ain't gone. It's still there. When I get to the surgery, they're going to say, no, it's gone. It's still there. When I wake up, they're going to say, I don't have to do chemo. You got to do chemo. What was the tool that he used? Her prayer. It was her prayer. Sometimes what you're using every day is what God will turn around to have you use when you're in a blinded moment and you can't see your way out. Pray. How in the world am I going to pray? You've been praying all along. Pray now. Whoo. Because see, sometimes we take advantage and we become so familiar with the tools that we have in our hand that we don't know how to use them when we're going through. We throw them away and we sit it down just like Samson. When it came time for him to deliver himself, he threw the jawbone down. But he used the jawbone to kill men, but the same jawbone couldn't help him because he didn't know how to apply it to his own life. Come on now. And I begin to hear her say, I mean, come on. I mean, I prayed and I prayed. And then my children came and said, you cannot do chemo because you said that God was going to heal your body. I remember when my spiritual father died and I heard Lady Bishop talking to her grandchildren. Y'all prophesied that granddaddy was not going to die, but he died. What did he have to use for my children and those grandchildren to get through their faith. <laughs> you had faith when he was alive, now have faith now that he's gone. That I'm going to bring you through. That I'm going to bring everybody else out. It, it's hard to pray when you're going through a situation that you felt like you caused. I ask God every day, what did we do wrong? Where did we miss it? How did we miss it? How can I pray that that that, that that this leaves my wife's body he says you can't take the pain away and you can't take the cancer away so sit there and just care for her and love her as she goes through the process but keep your faith that's real hard to handle right when God tells you that you can't take it away because sometimes we try to become God and we try to take process away because we're afraid that some type of sin caused it and so now you begin to offer up unwilling prayers because you're afraid of sin it's not sin God is looking to use the issue to get somebody else's attention so he reveals that he's the light of the world he heals the man 
And he turns around and he says, I must work while it's day. I have the power and authority to do this. But I am the light of the world. There are so many of us that are sitting here today that are blind to spiritual matters and to spiritual things, emotional and physical things that are taking place in your life. And you're blind to understanding that Jesus wants to expose those dark areas in your life and he wants to bring light to it. I got some struggles in my life. He wants to bring light to it. I got some difficulty in my life. He wants to shine a light on it. I've got some fear in my life. He wants to shine a light on it. I've got some doubt. He wants to shine a flashlight on it. I, I've got some unbelief. I'm dealing with rejection. I'm dealing with some painful things in my life. I want to be the light of the world to your issue. I want to put your issue on display so that other people can see the signs, wonders, and miracles. And my honey walks around today and people say there is no way that you went through what you went through. There ain't no way. If you could have saw her when she lost her hair and she could not get up and she was just weak and just, oh man. But when God exposes an issue in your life and he brings light to it and you obey and you have faith and you allow God to open up the blind areas in your life, people are now calling saying, we just got to talk to you. Like, what did you do? I prayed. Oh, come on, sister, now. You ain't just pray. I prayed. I kept my faith. I believed. I believed. It is your belief. Did you hear it? It is your faith. Whatever you're strong in, God is going to use that to apply it to your issue, to your blindness. He's going to use that. He's not going to give you something that you're unfamiliar with. She knows how to pray. So why, would he, so why would he give her something that she's not familiar with in the middle of a blind spot in her life? No, no, no. You know how to pray? Pray now. Yeah. When you think about this, the light represents his power and authority to do the works of the Father. Not only does he heal the man physically, but he uses his blindness as a sign, a miracle to get the attention of those who are blinded to spiritual things, his disciples cannot be blinded to the spiritual matters that are happening right now. It's wrong if you go to your job and you're not talking about the racial divide. Ah, oh, Pastor Fred, I, I'm not really into it. Well, then you're not into spiritual matters because the Bible is all about liberation. It's all about the oppressed. Read it. Read it. It's about the oppressed. It's about those who can't fight for themselves. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law where the oppressed would have an opportunity to experience the grace and the presence of God. It's just not about the Jewish culture. It's about all nations where you cannot sit down and talk to your children about the things that are happening in this world. You're not connected to spiritual matters. It's important. 
that we talk to our African-American men. You can't just go and do what you want to do nowadays. You can't just go and just pick up a girl nowadays because you don't know what's going to happen. Young ladies, you can't just date any guy you want to because you don't know what's going to happen. You are not grown. You don't know it all. Listen. I heard Champ Bailey as I finished last night. He said if the world would only listen to the story of the African-American man. I'm a black athlete, but I'm a black man who's afraid. My sons are afraid. Because money can never cover fear. Success never covers reality. Look at this world today. How many of our African-American men, our men are, are, are incarcerated today over something foolish? A pound of weed and you in jail for 25 years. But a young Caucasian guy rapes a young lady and the judge says, because he was brought up in a nice family, I'm going to dismiss it. That's racial reasoning, guys. We got to talk about it. And you're connected to a pastor that's going to talk about it. And y'all don't tell me to shut up. You need to be telling me. Pastor, get out there and talk about it. We need your voice. We need your influence. Because if I'm quiet, then how do you grow? How do we fight? I'm fighting for mother right here. Who in 10 years from now, they're saying that she can lose all of her social security, lose all of her Medicaid, and we're sitting here. And people are dying every day because we won't speak up. You know, the Lord didn't assign me to say that. The Lord did assign you to talk about oppression when you got saved. He said, you're going to be the salt of the earth. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Don't take it for granted. Don't take that you have this moment for granted that you're able to sit here in this chair. You got to talk to your children. You got to talk to your parents. Children, look at me. It's better to obey than sacrifice. Because the sacrifice is going to be your worst nightmare. Look at your dream now and see where you can be in the next five years. Look at it now and count the years backwards. Because if you're 15 now and 15 more years, you're going to be a grown-up. What are you going to do? Lift your hands. Lord, open my eyes. Come on, say it. Open my eyes to the blind areas that I've been dealing with. Cause me to be put on display where others will see that you are the light. That you are the God of salvation. That you are Christ. You are Lord. You are Savior. In Jesus' name.